Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of Real Moms Get Real, your fast, fun, and hopefully educational 15 or 20 minutes uh, with us as we discuss parenting and family topics. I'm Deirdre. And I'm Maureen. And we have a full plate today. Uh, We are going to be talking about uh, how to talk to your kids about gun violence, kind of a heavy topic. Maureen has got a great brand new uh, health study, which you'll want to stick around for. And we have our favorite things, something that we've chosen, a service or an activity or product to um, liven up your life. So Maureen, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Deirdre. And here we are. Um, I think it's the beginning of the wind down of the summer, which <laughs> I wish it weren't because I love this time of year for the for the weather and for just, you know, being home with the kids and having family around. And um, Deirdre, I um speaking of, you know, the almost the end of the summer, the beginning of the fall. I am one of the many parents who just sent off a child to um, a college for this fall. Um, I was I put him on a plane this morning, our youngest, and I know there are many, many other parents who are about to take their kids to college or send them off. And boy, is it a uh, a mixed mixed feeling. I mean, you know, they need to be where they need to be and you want their success and you're rooting for them a hundred percent, but you also feel those pangs as a parent. Uh, It is so hard. And I'm right there with you, Maureen. My heart hurts for you. Although, you know, it is a mixed bag because you're proud and you're glad that they've come so far in life that they can live independently and go to school. But I mean, I remember when my second son went to an in-state college. So he wasn't even that far away from me. I asked him, and I'm not kidding, if if he wanted me to get a hotel room for the first couple of days in case he needed anything. And he was like, yeah, I think I have this. And he was probably thinking, I'm so glad you did not offer in front of my new roommate. But um, I feel for you. But it's all good, right? If it's your first time, sending off your oldest child, it feels it feels like your heart is going to crack in two and never come back together. Oh yeah. Well listen, you have the we have the memories of it feels like, you know, just yesterday that our kids started nursery school or kindergarten. And I know there are many people listening to us whose kids are doing those things. But the years fly, even though they're freshmen now or older than that, you know, it's still the mom's instinct to want to make the, the bed and help them pack or unpack. And honey, do you have everything you need? And I love how my son said, 
um, mom, I, I've done this a couple times now. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> and, you know, that's what you want to see. You want to see their sense of confidence and their independence. And of course they're growing and changing all the time. So, and you worry, you worry about the silliest things. You, you drop them off and a mom can stay up all night going, did I leave him with a can opener? Did I give him enough Tylenol? You know, you just worry because that thread, it's still there, but the thread is longer now. That child is away. And, you know, I think, uh, Maureen, you and I agree on this, but a lot of times we coddle our kids, you know, these days. But this is one instance where I do think, you know, as a mom says goodbye to her oldest child and every child, you have every right to baby them a little bit because it is a significant change in the family. Yeah. Well, my son was laughing at me last night, which is a good place to be because um, my husband was pointing out, listen, mom, she's, she's only asking you these things and saying these things because she cares so much and, you know, <laughs> accept it for what it is. And you, you come from a loving family and we care about you. And our son just kind of laughed and sort of shrugged it off and looked sort of cute about it all. So Look, you know, it's a it's a rite of passage, as you say. We we root for them, and we know this is, these are steps they have to take. And um, we wish everybody a great school send off, no matter how old your child is or or what year of school they may be starting this fall. Exactly, we really do. And it's funny because a lot of times, you know, kids are different. A lot of times, your kid will disappear off the grid. You know, maybe he's doing orientations, first classes, meeting people, and he or she may not stay in good contact with you. So, my only advice is if you can, on the way out to school, just, you know, say, hey, what do you think is going to work in terms of our talking to each other? And then be very flexible on that. But that way, at least the kid knows, like, I do need to hear from you, yeah, whether that's at the beginning, every other day or or once a week, whatever works for that family. Yeah, Deirdre, I think that is great advice because we have to be careful that with these iPhones and this constant texting that we don't over communicate because, look, they need their separation. They need to grow up and be on their own. I, I want to share on that point quickly a solution that a friend of mine came up with for this very issue. And what she and her family worked out was um, every Sunday night, we have an appointment to talk on the phone. And that's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes they do it as a FaceTime call. Sometimes they do it just as an audio call. But the point is it's our check-in. We catch up with each other. We ask how you're doing. We let you know what's going on at home. That way there's none of this. I haven't heard from him. I don't know where she is, this sort of thing. And it's, it's not too much and it's, you know, um, uh, it, it works well for a lot of people. So again, it depends on the child, depends on the kid, but that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a solution to think of. And if you're a helicopter parent and you know who you are out there, I mean, do not send the texts to college saying, how'd that test go? How'd that, you know, every day for every class? They are there to work it out themselves, to grow up. I mean, if they seem to need that, that's a different thing. But sometimes we have to curb our own enthusiasm to borrow, you know, the name of a show and just let them figure it out. And I've had to do it and it's hard. It's hard to just leave it dangling. But this is an important point of development for your kids and let them go through it. And uh, now I'm going to step off my soapbox. But 
<laughs> Listen, believe me, I'd be on a plane tomorrow to hang out at a hotel in the town that my son's going to school in, but I'm not going to do it. Oh, seriously. I once, we, my kids, unfortunately, all have done their time getting migraines. And um, my youngest son was uh, away at also a state school and he got a migraine. And I said, do you want me to text your roommate to make sure to give you a cold washcloth if you fall asleep? He's like, that would be a huge no. Thank you. He would rather suffer. And, uh, you know, it's just they got to grow up. So, We want to wish everybody a good parting. And remember, they will be back. Oh, yeah. They come home. They come home lots of times, which is awesome. They come home at least for Thanksgiving, for holiday time around Christmas and Hanukkah. Then they come home for spring break um, and then other times as well. So there's plenty of that to be had. And um, let's let our kids study and do what they need to do. It's all part of their normal normal development. Absolutely. Well, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is really a somber, serious one. Um, In the news, of course, the whole nation has uh, been made aware that there have been uh, horrific shootings in Dayton, Ohio, and in El Paso, Texas. Um, And and as well, there have been a couple other uh, shootings where there's not been the loss of life that that those two places experience. But we're going to chat, Maureen and I, a little bit about how do you talk to your kids? When do you talk to them? And how do you frame that uh, discussion? So Maureen, do you have any opening thoughts on that? Well, I would just say that obviously it much of this depends on the age of the children we're talking about. If you have very, very young children, preschool age, um, nine times out of 10, this is not an appropriate topic for them. It's just, it's too much. It's too extreme. However, as kids get older, Deirdre, and I want to hear your thoughts too, um, this is a topic in the news. It's something that their peers will be talking about and almost certainly their schools will have procedures and such in place for their safety and their protection. So absolutely. And yeah, go ahead. Well, I just piggybacking on uh, what you said, if you have younger kids around toddlers, um, anybody basically that can start to understand news, please be very aware. They are like little sponges and they may be playing Legos in the corner, but you better believe they are hearing the news. So I think parents, when there is, you know, a lot going on in the news that's violent or negative, we need to be super aware that we are the filter and you may have to turn the television off and, and get your news on your phone or wait till the evening. Yeah, I totally agree. And the other point I would make is that whether your child is in a camp or a school at this time or will be shortly, we can't rely on those authorities to be the one and only source of information and comfort. Right. I would stress, Deirdre, and I think you and I are on the same page, and I bet a lot of our listeners are, that it's up to the family to have a family discussion and or um, comfort or advice. A lot of experts will say, wait for the child to ask you a question, and then you'll understand where his or her head is in terms of, you know, knowledge of some of these, you know, these events and the things attached to them, and then go from there. Um, I would also just advise parents, 
It's not a sign of weakness to reach out to experts for insight and help and advice. These are tough topics. You want your kids to feel uh, as much comfort, sense of confidence, and safety as possible. And so as a parent, you need to take a lot of steps to, to try to achieve that as much as much as possible. And it is doable. That's and, right. Yeah. So Deirdre, what else did you have on that? Because it's such an important topic. Well, it is. I mean, I have a couple of thoughts. And Maureen and I are basing this on our experience. Um, we also um, read and reflect on parenting and family issues all week. Um, but, you know, Maureen, I think it's a great time to a lot of this, particularly last week's um, terrible shootings, um, is highly politicized because that's where we are as a country. And, you know, you and I don't like to get into that sphere on our podcast. Um, but what I, I would say is this is a great chance to build empathy in your children and particularly maybe those teens who, you know, yeah, you, there, you can talk politics, but first let's genuinely feel bad and feel grief for these strangers. We don't know them, but they are going through a life-shattering event. So it's a wonderful opportunity to kind of guide your children's thinking. And, you know, if it's your family's practice to have a prayer, to pray together, whatever your family practice is, put that empathy first. And the politics can wait. That will always be there. But in a world that I think is kind of lacking empathy and compassion. I think you're doing not only your kids, but really your community, a huge, you know, service by emphasizing that. And you know what, Deirdre, our kids will surprise us. I love the story of this 11 year old in El Paso, a sixth grader who wanted to find a way through the sadness and the anger and the upset. And he and his mom created what they call the El Paso challenge. And what he's doing is challenging other people to do nice and kind deeds for other people. Um, they're asking each person to commit to this and do 22 good deeds for other people. And the reason for the 22 is the 22 people who so sadly and unfortunately lost their lives in this, this horrible uh, you know, act of violence in El Paso recently. But for example, the, the acts of kindness that this boy came up with could be very simple, straightforward things like, helping a neighbor mow their lawn, mm. taking out the garbage for an elderly person, paying for someone's lunch or dinner when they don't expect it, donating something to a family, taking flowers to the hospital for patients, leaving a dollar on the vending machine for the next person. These sorts of things are actionable, they're concrete, and it makes children understand they can directly impact other people in a positive way. And I just love that notion, Deirdre, of taking something horrible and finding a good way through it. And I think that's such a healthy thing to do. Yeah. And I, I saw that story too. And I mean, you're empowering your kids and we could adopt that, you know, particularly those with kids who are old enough, maybe 10, I'm thinking 10, 11, fifth, sixth grade to really have a grasp of what happened and need to do something and do something positive. So, you know, kudos to that kid and his mom and everybody else who's, you know, supported that. And, you know, the other thing parents is, you know, just be, be very sensitive and aware 
aware to your kids because the school year's starting and, you know, school shootings are becoming more common. They might be taking this situation and wondering if, you know, something could happen at school. So just be on the lookout for worry or stress. And like Maureen said, if you need to, access a caring professional. I mean, personally, I think therapy is wonderful and, uh, you know, access it if you need to. Yeah, I think the message that it's not a sign of weakness to seek help from from, you know, guided, experienced professionals is very important. And also- oh my gosh, Fred used to Fred used to laugh at me because I dress up when I, I went to therapy for a little while years ago and I would dress up. I said, I love therapy. I'm excited to go. It's healthy, it's normal, and it's it's usually for a brief time. It's a brief time, right. And the insights that that people gain tend to stay with them for a very long time. So it's almost always worth it. And I guess, Deirdre, the other thing I would say is, look, what we're suggesting here is not in any way to take away from the, you know, the horrific acts that were committed. We, you know, we absolutely uh, detest them and and condemn them. And I think it's it's just tragic. Um, but we do have to empower our children to remain positive and strong and confident. And we can do that by being parents who are present for them and following their 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 role, if you will, their, their hints that they may give us for uh, additional information that they need or comfort or advice or whatever it may be. And just know that there are a lot of resources out there for parents who are struggling. That's right. And if we can all take a lesson from any of this, hug those kids, hug the people you love and, you know, live in the moment because these things are, are just life shattering and um, increasingly it can just happen anywhere. There's no place, you know, that's immune. And um, so let's just all kind of, you know, Shower the people you love with love, I guess, as James Taylor would say. But um, we hope this has been helpful. And um, now we'll switch gears a little bit. Maureen, uh, you have something pretty interesting in the health arena. What what you got cooking over there? Yeah, okay. Switching over to this topic, Deirdre. So, you know, the problem of obesity in our society is still a very a very uh, major issue. A lot of people struggle with weight issues. People who are, are not obese have also struggled, struggled to keep their weight down um, through various points in their life. And this is an interesting study, Deirdre. It's a small study out of Germany, but here's, here's the essence of it. Um, st- medical students who are studying to be doctors were recently um, connected to people playing the role of heavy people or obese people. And so the people helping them actually put on obesity simulation suits. The suits were worn by actors who played fake patients during these training exercises. And the whole goal was for the medical students to be exposed to people who are obese or who appear to be obese. The reasoning is that even medical students who can be still be very young, you know, in their 20s or 30s, are bringing bias, bias against obesity or obese patients into the exam room uh, often, whether they realize it or not. So the whole reason for the study was, what are those biases? How do you overcome them? How do you make sure you give every single patient you treat 
whether the person is of a normal weight or a higher weight than, than healthy or whatever it may be, treat people with the compassion and the care that they deserve. And everyone has different situations, Deirdre. You know, some some obviously are very medically based situations in obesity. But I love the notion that these students are studying to be more compassionate with the people they treat. I love that. And that's a fascinating study. And, you know, let's face it, a lot of doctors can be arrogant and you can feel their bias, whether it's weight or or anything else. I mean, there are a lot of great doctors out there, but there are a lot of people who I, I think really need to take another look at their, you know, bedside manner. And, you know, just watch someone who's heavy, someone who's obese, as they get on a plane, or maybe they're already seated. And it is heartbreaking because that person will lower their eyes and just not, you know, they know it's hard to to find seating. You know, if you're sitting next to them, it, that can be a struggle. And it breaks my heart. And an airplane is one place where you just always see that person feeling so awful. And you know what? We're not here to judge anybody. We don't know how they got as heavy as they've gotten. Maybe they've suffered great loss and food is their comfort. I mean, there are whole shows and whole modalities, you know, based on figuring out obesity. But what I love is that maybe the medical profession will start, you know, really approaching these people as true patients. That's right. Uh, You know, kind of the whole person holistic, you know, and maybe really dig in a little bit and say, you know, do you have any stressors or instead of just going in and thinking, oh my gosh, another huge person. And listen, obesity rates are rising. So they're going to have, you know, a lot of patients, they better learn to deal with them that are struggling with weight. Yes. And this study was reported in um, Reuters Health, which is where I read about it. And then I read more deeply. There's uh, some additional reports on it. But, um, you know, patients who are obese, they feel they're already feeling, um, you know, ridiculed or stigmatized in many ways. They're probably in some cases, not all, but in some, they may be bringing some insecurities into the room. But look, every doctor treating treating a patient, no matter who that patient is, needs to bring compassion into the room with them. We're all human beings. Everyone is, is, you know, has different scenarios and situations. And so the reason that I think this is interesting for our, our listeners is that these studies are going on and, and we hope will bring, you know, will help certain doctors and certain medical professionals bring more compassion and empathy and understanding into the room to help people deal with their various medical issues, whether it's obesity or other things. And, yeah. And yeah. when did when did negativity ever work? I mean, you know, if a doctor comes in and is kind of, you know, really kind of put making you feel bad, you're not going to leave that room and go, go gee, you know, now I'm really motivated to lose 50 pounds. That's just not the way it works. And I, I remember a couple of years ago, I had lost like 10 pounds in the year. My doctor was so incredibly happy. And I said to her, were you worried about me? And she's just like, no, I know it's so hard to do. So I'm really proud of you. And I'll tell you, I felt like that kid that got a gold star on his, you know, 
know, grade paper. I was I was on cloud nine. So try a little bit of that, doctors. That's that'll that's probably the ticket. That's right. That's right. Treating people as human beings who who have challenges in their lives and need to overcome certain things is the way to go. You know, things like fat shaming or criticizing people does not work. That's been proven. No, it doesn't work with any, any human being. Well, that's, that's a great study. And hopefully doctors will latch on to that as they uh, continue to see patients. And uh, now it is time for our final segment, a quick run through of what we call our favorite things. And I wish we had some sound effects, Maureen, for that. We'll have to think about that. But uh, I'll share mine first. I have been using an app called Mixtiles. So it's M as in Mary, I-X-T-I-L-E-S. The website is Mixtiles.com. And what they'll do, you really should use the app because you put the app on your phone and you can select pictures from your, your phone and just it's, it literally takes two minutes, uh, you know, send them to mix files through the app. And in about two to three days, you get eight by eight, eight inch by eight inch, beautiful pictures. They're always eight by eight inch. They don't do any other size. And they use this sticky adhesive. So you just stick it to your wall. You don't have to bang a nail in or anything. And the reason I'm giving them a shout out is I recently had a problem and my mixed tiles, the batch that I got, they weren't sticking to the wall. So every time I walked by, a picture would fall off and I was like, oh, what a bummer. So uh, yeah, it was a bummer. So I contacted the company. They, They responded to me within five minutes and are totally redoing those tiles for me. And I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to send pictures. I don't have to send those back. So responsive. So for customer service and product, I give them an A. So that's mixtiles.com. So Deirdre, so this is affordable wall art, in other words. So So affordable. So they send you three three pictures and I believe it's 49 bucks, but they're nice and you'll have them forever. That is awesome. What a great tip. What a great tip. So I'm going to go into mine, which is frankly hysterical, (laughs) (laughs) but this is a, this is a incredibly efficient and useful tool that I, I use around my own home. And I have a very small home. It's very tiny, but this little vacuum is called, (laughs) the Bissell Zing bagless vacuum cleaner. Okay. And I know you're going to laugh at me, but it is, first of all, it's really lightweight. It's super easy to hold and use. Now it comes in a canister version, you know, variety, which some people prefer. I like the little thing that I could go around with. When you have children and pets and, you know, some of us work at home. So the home gets a lot of wear and tear. And I love my little vacuum, which I've found on my own and bought on my own. <laughs> I can just do the stairs really quickly, or I can do certain corners of certain rooms really quickly. I love it because it's super simple and easy to use. It's not an expensive product at all. The thing I love the most is the efficiency of it and the ease of handling. The last thing you want to do when you're trying to clean your home is, you know, have some heavy vacuum that you got to lug out of storage or drag it upstairs or downstairs. This thing is so easy to use. Like, I almost feel like, you know, you could just 
tuck it out of the way somewhere and pull it out when you need it. So anyway, that's a shout out to that product that I really adore. And again, it's crazy that I'm mentioning a vacuum. But this is life. This is real life. You know, this is real life. And we're going to give you products we really think actually help. And you'll laugh, but I have a commercial grade vacuum that my husband somehow wrangled for me through work. So the same vacuum that, that a company would use to clean a whole office that's the vacuum I have. And he said, I think it'll be good because we have three dogs and it is a really good vacuum, but taking it upstairs is almost like I have to put on my wristbands, get my Gatorade, do my deep breaths, my knee bends, because the thing seems to weigh like a hundred pounds. So the Bissell seems like a, uh, a great choice, Maureen. No, seriously, you know, again, like, you know, I'm not saying give it to me for Christmas one year. No, no, we're not saying that. <laughs> um, but it comes in so handy and it's just really easy to use. And that's what that's what we need in our lives, Georgia. We need things that are easy, simple, um, get the job done, no muss, no fuss. And that's what we like. Absolutely. Well, we have those great recommendations for you. We hope everybody has enjoyed this episode of Real Moms Get Real. Connect with us on the internet. Uh, Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, in the meantime, we are going to wish you a great week until next time. And remember our tagline, parenting is about connection, not perfection. So true. Thanks, Deirdre. Thanks to all our listeners. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everybody. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.